This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, and a very special guest, somebody we had the pleasure of meeting in XRP Las Vegas, and is going to be bringing some very exciting news for some of our PolySign and Ripple investors this morning, we got Jay Claver in the building, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Bank of America could soon be leveraging Ripple technology, but this isn't the only blue chip crypto making an impact in the banking sector. The SEC is now accepting Ethereum as payment, as Wall Street firms are teaming up to create a new crypto exchange and custody platform, uh, bringing crypto into traditional finance. T-Mobile is now leveraging the Polygon blockchain, running a validator on their network. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already underway, we break down the details, showing our community how institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, yesterday was a pretty interesting episode, but you know what caught people's attention? was the Disney movie with Ripple and Lumen. They can't stop talking about it. But how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. I'm sure people will be rushing out to the movie theater. Abs, I'm doing great. Let me start like I always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you guys and appreciate you for showing up every single day. I'm super excited. We got my man Jake in the house. I can't wait to hop into it. This man is full of a lot of good knowledge. So this is going to be a fun show. Jake, and we're going to be getting into some very exciting news today, and I wish we could bring the Bank of America info we were discussing before the show, but we got to keep some stuff behind the scenes, right? First of all, how are you feeling, and thanks for making time for us. Yeah, I'm great this morning. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, morning, morning, morning. So I, I normally start my videos. <laughs> awesome, guys. Good guy. to be on the morning show. And we appreciate you being here, Jake. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 4,300 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, the Bitcoin fear and greed index is in neutral this morning, sitting at 52. And when we look at some of the daily movers, it's pretty split across the board. We got some green bubbles. We got some red bubbles. But mo most of all, we're moving sideways. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.14 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 20%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,000. Ethereum, 1,800. XRP is 50 cents. Cardano is 36. Polygon, or sorry, Polkadot is $5. And Quant Network, one of our favorites, is sitting at 116. And guys, we got 123 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, before we get into our articles for today, what projects are you keeping an eye on? Well, you know, at the end of the day, Abs, I'm always looking at, I mean, Quant's one of my favorite. You know, I got my eyes on that one. 
Uh, gaming is also another space that I'm also interested in. Obviously, you know, all the ISO stuff. So uh, kind of keep an eye on all that space. But to be honest with you, you know, we're sitting in the neutral zone. You know me. I only buy when we're in the red zone. So I ain't buying right now. I'm just sitting back and, and just watching and seeing and kind of observing what's happening here, Abs. Jake, we called this year the year of institutional adoption, but coincidentally, it's turned into the year of central bank digital currencies. We're going to be talking about that later in the episode. But overall, when you look at the market today, what are you anticipating going forward? Do you think the, the worst of the bear market is behind us? I do. Uh, and I want to touch on something uh, Johnny said there. So I ran into Telos when I was down at uh, Consensus uh, last month. And on the gaming side, um, they wouldn't tell me what exactly uh, partnerships they were going to announce, but they told me that uh, there's some big news coming for them in the gaming industry. So that one's on my radar. Um, so just for the listeners, listeners out there, a little, little nugget for y'all this morning. Absolutely. Um, and Johnny's, Johnny's got to be excited. He's a big Gala guy. So Gala Games and Mira are two of the projects that we like to talk yeah. about. Yes. But Johnny, I want to get started with this video out of Bank of America's president when it comes to retail banking and how digitalization is going to be one of the key aspects going forward. Well, we got 147 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest video out of Bank of America. We'll continue to invest in digital We'll continue to get better. We'll continue to listen to our clients to give them what they need. Um, but I believe digital is a core way we deliver at scale to 68 million clients. Um, we've got, again, great digital adoption and great digital adoption through all the demographics, mm-hmm. um, which is really important. You know, low income, affluent um, across the generational demographics. Um, and we watch that really closely. We adopt, we adapt um, to what our clients are telling us they want and need. Digital is core to our strategy. So digital and physical and the integration of that is our strategy on the ground. And Johnny, we got a great article that you sent me this morning showing us how Wells Fargo and other regular banking institutions, they're creating crypto exchanges and crypto custody platforms. But now we got the Bank of America executive here talking about how they're leveraging digital assets going forward. And we're going to break down some key details. But what does this clip mean to you? Digitalization, key aspect going forward. There's a very simple statement in our industry, Abs. It's called innovate or die. And the reality is if these guys don't stay ahead of the technology that's coming or become part of it, they basically get eaten up by their competition and they go away, right? And Kodak is the perfect example. When they kept fighting forever, like, oh, yeah, we don't need digital. Digital cameras aren't coming. Nah, that's just a fad. Film's going to be the way. And they died. They literally died on the hill because they didn't want to innovate and you know, they didn't want to cannibalize their own business. And the reality is, you know, this is what you want to see. You're going to see all the companies that are going to be leaders in the future are actually shifting now, right? In this phase where nobody knows what's going on. We get it. We're in so early. It feels like it's late. We know what's happening because we're here at the forefront of it. But the rest of the world has no clue. Go ask your friends what, what Ripple is. Yeah. Go, ask them, go ask them what XRP is or they're going to think it's a movie or something. They're going to have a freaking clue. So the reality is this is not a surprise to me. This is what I expect leading corporations to be talking about in this phase. And that's exactly uh, what they're doing right now is they're getting ahead of this tsunami. Or I should say this transformational shift from Web 2.0 to 3.0 digitalization. They're going to be at the forefront of it. So that's good. That's good to hear if you're an investor in uh, Bank of America or Ripple. And Jake, I know you've got some exciting information to share about Bank of America and the digitalization going forward. But look at this latest article out of Bank of America. They've been secretly testing our Ripple DLT in its banking system, said one of these executives. Bank of America will likely use one of Ripple's flagship products called XCurrent. Bank of America is silent on the issue of owning its previous hard stance on blockchain-related services. But interestingly, the bank listed a job posting in search of a Ripple project manager. This makes it pretty evident that they are serious about blockchain, specifically the adoption of Ripple. And Jake, what does that mean to you, my friend? Well, so we'll put this video out on my channel a little bit later today, but I'll I'll talk to the point of uh, Medico and the Ripple acquisition, right? So they just recently acquired them for $250 They are a Swiss software provider, um, and they create custodial environments for banks. So... Ripple is a software provider for banks. 
uh, and Medico is deeply in alignment with the same business model. They're a software provider. So they aren't actually the custodian. Uh, so I know a lot of people were confused when that news broke. Uh, they thought that, you know, Ripple would partner with PolySign because they're a qualified custodian for the custodian services. Well, they still will. Um, I, have, I have a feeling that the, the cold wallet technology and the protocol that's used for the storage of assets at PolySign will be leveraged by other banks and licensed uh, to them. But the integration from the legacy systems over to the, the digital systems will have to be moved, right? And so you need that software component. I think that, that that's what Medico provides. Um, so that's at a large scale across all the banks, right? We're talking about Bank of America, but in general, like we were just discussing, you know, adopt it or die. And, and Ripple is the leader in that space with their acquisition. And uh, I think they're going to be providing the solution for all of these banks to do so. And Jake, for anyone who doesn't understand why this Medico acquisition is so important, Medico was acquired 100% by Ripple. This is basically a Ripple subsidiary going forward. And this company was already partnered with Citibank and IBM. We found two articles yesterday in reference to those two companies. So when you talk about digitalization going forward, Ripple is not only taking place or, or I guess taking the lead when it comes to on-demand liquidity, they're now moving into crypto custody. And you referenced PolySign. Maybe you can elaborate on that here. Yeah, so PolySign is a trust bank. Um, they basically provide just, well, so they have three subsidiaries as well. Uh, like Ripple just acquired Medico. They have standard custody and trust. They have uh, MG Stover, which they acquired earlier this year, and they also have AtomicNet. Um, so standard custody and trust is just a qualified custodian, um, and they don't provide any financial products or services in alignment with that. So if you go to Fidelity or you go to Merrill Lynch or, or some of these other, even, even your bank, right, they're going to have financial products that they offer alongside the custod the custody service that they're going to have for your digital assets. Whereas there's some instances where you want a separation between the individual that owns the assets, the, the custodian provider, and then also whoever's issuing loans or whatever it is against those assets. And so they kind of sit in the middle in a unique position to offer, um, the, they're, they're well positioned to become the BNY Mellon of digital assets in my opinion. That's a bold statement right there, Johnny Crypto. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. And within this article, they're not only talking about Ripple's use cases, they're talking about another currency that's ISO compliant, and that would be Algorand. I'm going to read a couple of quotes and kick it right back to you. Only a handful of good projects get institutional investors, and people are wondering why they're building on top of Ripple and Ethereum while they're ignoring the rest. The big news here is that Bank of America is using Ripple and now Algorand, and this really establishes more credibility for these projects. Bank of America is also more interested in Algorand because they're already building on the platform. They won this hackathon and they love the direction Algorand is headed with their borderless economy. And what do we know about the future, Johnny? It's a future without borders. So Algorand promoting that narrative is no surprise. What do these quotes mean to you? Well, I mean, for me, it's just the reality. We know that Bank of America, first of all, has a ton of patents or has some patents in the crypto space. And they were working with Ripple. So we know they're partners. We know there's something happening behind the scenes with them. We've been saying that for, for a while on this show now. So we know there was a partnership there. And we know that we've heard that Bank of America is just waiting for the SEC monkey to get off of Ripple's back. And I think maybe we'll start hearing more announcements about what's happening there. So that's kind of been something. Yeah, Jake Rader said Maybe Jake knows something. I have no idea. But, you know, certainly I think, you know, we all have been saying for a while that there's definitely – uh, a partnership there and, and, you know, Buffett held on to, he sold all the other banks, but he held on to two bank of America and new bank. And we know that they're both, both working with ripple. So no doubt that, that their technology is being, I mean, it, it makes sense. Ripple's technology was designed or one of the use cases that they were solving was a cross border payment solution you know, that all banks need to solve for. So no surprise there at all to see that happening. I'm excited. The algo news is very interesting, but again, as I've said from day one, we're in the beginning of something. And I remember when Bluetooth came out, there were 12 other Bluetooth technologies that we were all trying to figure out what, which way the world was going to go. I forgot I forgot what they're all about. But this was back in 2000 when you were in diapers. I mean, maybe you weren't even in diapers back then. But nonetheless, when you were in diapers, we were trying to figure out what was going to be the Bluetooth technology that was going to be short-range communication, you know, wireless communication. And Bluetooth ended up winning after a certain amount of time. But until it won, everybody was trying different technology. And you're going to see the same thing here. You're going to hear Algo. You're going to hear this. You're going to hear you're going to hear all these different technologies being used, HBAR, right? But eventually, one or two of them is going to rise to the top and become the winner. 
And we, none of us know what it is. That's why I always talk about making sure you have a few horses in the race. But to me, XRP is certainly in Ripple themselves as a company, and XRP as the potential uh, ODL solution, uh, or coin for the ODL solution, um, seem to be putting themselves in a really, really good position to be here in the future. Jake, and I know you had some additional comments. So before we get into our next story, what stuck out to you about that Bank of America article? Well, so I was, I was going to see if you would pull up the algo chart. I don't know if you can do that or not, just on the fly. Um, but if you look at the log scale on the algo chart, it's it's the lowest price that it's ever been. Um, so with, with this news, and, and then they also had the Wells notice from the SEC, right? So um, I, I don't know, looks like a potentially a good buy, never financial advice. But uh, I mean, with, with the implementation Ooh. of the technology, um, I think that they could see some significant price action and adoption if it were used in reward use case. So um, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I think Algorand's a big sleeper. I think a lot of people, you know, all, all of ISO is a sleeper. I think there's a lot of people that kind of miss out on that and they look at just the big two, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, but when utility kicks in, I, I think people are going to be surprised. I think you're spot on, Jake. This is another article I wanted to get your opinion on. Ever since we found out that the SEC was going to be forced to reveal the him and emails, we've seen nothing but positive public displays from the company Ripple itself. And we got a couple examples here, and then I want to kick it to you for your opinion. Disney's Elemental comes out on June 16th, and this is going to be featuring two main characters, one that is fire, one that is water. The fire character is named Lumen, and the, the water character is named Ripple. We don't believe in coincidences, only unrecognized patterns here, Jake. Also, David Schwartz says that Ripple has water and Amazon has fire. Videos have surfaced of Google Assistant saying that XRP's price chart could be unavailable by June 13th. Ripple went on to acquire Medico, and then the NASDAQ congratulated Ripple on that Medico acquisition. We've been showing that picture uh, throughout the week. Ripple's on-demand liquidity partner, Tranglo, partners with AI, Asana Exchange, and the UAE's largest outward personal remittance, Ripple launches a central bank digital currency platform. And another update we can add on top of this, Jake, is there's 20 countries right now that are publicly working with Ripple on creating central bank digital currencies, and XRP would, of course, be the liquidity between CBDCs. So the question that I have for you, my friend, is why do you believe that all of these announcements have come out since the Hinman emails are set to be released? Do you believe we could see a resolution in June? Man, um, I had not seen that Google Assistant says XRP's price would be unavailable after June 13th. Wow. Um, wow. Well, I'm glad I got my bag. Um, yeah, right. anyway, um, yeah I, I think that there's so it's interesting to me that that's five years after the date of the the, the speech being delivered by Hinman. OK, um, statute of limitations is five years. And so just odd that it would be the exact day five years later that they would be releasing those emails. Um, I'm kind of with you. I don't necessarily believe in coincidences and um, just things that make you go home. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of news here late, lately. Um, you saw Brad Garlinghouse like a, uh, a tweet about, you know, what you need to do prior to IPO. <laughs> and just subtle hints, you know, and they've been pretty bold with some of their statements. So um, in my mind, it's, it's already been settled behind the scenes. We're just waiting for whatever the last domino is to fall for, for the news to come out and there to be a settlement within the lawsuit. I, I think... I mean, the, the him and emails are going to be publicly disclosed regardless. And I, I think that was kind of the mission behind extending the case this long. Maybe I'm wrong. That's speculation. But um, I think they wanted to see they wanted the public to be able to see the the corruption that's gone on in the background of the SEC for a long time and hopefully be able to bring that to justice and, and change some things around that that entity. Well, you brought it up yourself. I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Brad Garlinghouse recently liked a tweet in reference to getting a correct CFO before IPOing on the New York Stock Exchange. And I'm going to connect a couple different dots before I kick it to Jake and Johnny here. Brad Garlinghouse also recently liked a tweet that um, Digital Asset Investor put out. He said, dimes to donuts, this thing is over. And Brad Garlinghouse knows. Guys like us watch his Twitter like a hawk. He went out of his way to like that tweet, Johnny. But then in the same day, he put out this reference where there's 16 things a CEO should prepare for before IPOing. The number one thing on that list was to have a good CFO in place. And of course, just last week, we had Amazon CFO hiring coming to Ripple, one of the best in the industry. So Jake, feel free to elaborate and then we'll kick it to Johnny. So I just spoke with Link2, 
uh, prior to this, and they've Ripple's the first liquidy like liquid stock that well stock equity that's being traded, uh, private equity that's being traded on their platform. Uh, so if you'll go to link2.com, you're accredited, you'll be able to see this. Uh, but they listed it at their cost, and it's already up double since um, some of these announcements have come out. It's it's trading at thirty-eight dollars a share on their platform. Um, so I, if Linda P. Jones is right, I don't I don't know if you're going to show that video here in a minute or it not. But, yeah, um, that's a pretty significant upside for an IPO, and and they've stated for a long time that once the case was over, they would they would IPO. So. I mean, everything points to it's done. Uh, we're just waiting for whatever the last domino is to fall, like I said. And Johnny Crypto, we are going to talk about Ripple's potential IPO and how it's listed at $38, but we could see it hit the New York Stock Exchange at over a $600 evaluation per share. But we got 302 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, before we get into our next article, I wanted to get your thoughts on what Jake brought up. Is there any truth to the five-year statute of limitations for the William Hinman speech? It is very interesting that the Ripple would agree to this five-year wait limit. This is very, very, like we said, there's no coincidences, only unrecognized patterns. This is the exact day that the limitations would be reached. What's that mean to you, Johnny? Well, Abs, I'm not an attorney, but the good news is tomorrow we will have an attorney. Huh? We will have our man, John Deaton, on. So we could probably save that question for tomorrow. Um, I do believe we Great did point. talk about that. Briefly, we did. Somebody did mention that at the XRP Vegas show, or, or I think we did ask them. And I think that the thinking was that there might not have been really that. That's really more for a criminal thing. And I don't think there was a his speech is considered criminal. So I'm not sure. Well, but let's. It, it depends what's in those emails. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. You're right, Jake. And I think until we get those emails, and boy, do we want to see them. It's very hard to say, Abs, to answer that question, but it's possible. I mean, it can be. If it, if there is something criminal in there, then yeah, then then for certain, then you could make the argument and draw the conclusion like, hey, let's wait until after the five years for that. So I think that's – but we can probably get more clarity on that tomorrow. And then obviously we'll have a lot more clarity on that when we get those damn emails, hopefully after June 13th. Jake, and I don't know if you have any additional thoughts here, but I am excited to play the video from Digital Perspectives and Linda P. Jones. They're breaking down how not only does Ripple have plans to IPO, it could be one of the most profitable IPOs in stock market history. But when we look at the XRP price chart in and of itself, you tell me, show me the chart, I'll tell you the news, and the XRP price chart's looking extremely optimistic. So while we're on the topic of the Hinman emails, do you believe we could see some exciting price action after this case is over? We don't do price targets here. We're not asking you, what do you think it's going to reach? We're just asking you, do you think the price is going to go up regardless of what happens with this lawsuit? I'm going to get some flack for this. Um, I'm going to say no. And and so the, the whole premise of the case has been to remove Ripple from XRP, right? And if they have, Ripple's been buying this back the whole time. Okay, they they could dump on the market and suppress price if they need to and hold it down. And and I know that's not what people want to hear. Um, and, and normally, you know, I, I'm I'm all behind XRP and Ripple and everything else. Right. I'm that's where my money's at. Personally bested. But at the same time, I understand that there needs to be that delineation for um, that not to be a problem. And it also helps the rest of the industry. Right. So if there is a delineation between the company itself, the equity that they have and the digital asset that they leverage in their technology and they're not correlated on price, that that bodes well for the rest of the industry and their argument against the SEC that they don't have securities either. So probably not what the majority of people want to hear on that. But um, I, I, and I would love to see the price 10, 13, you know, pretty significant numbers. But I think we're going to see the significant upside on Ripple equity. And then once this, this technology is being used at scale, that's when we're going to see the crazy numbers that everybody's hoping for. You know, it's funny, Jake. Literally been saying the same exact thing and catching flack for it. But I totally agree with you 100% that the reality is the real price appreciation in XRP will come when we have real world use case usability right and, and adoption and that's coming later way down the road Jack, you just talked about this yesterday you know we're talking maybe five ten years from now where that thing's going to be fully blown utilized and you'll see that there'll be some speculative play along the way between here and then for sure but i actually agree with you where i think the big play 
the big opportunity right now is in Ripple, the actual stock, which, by the way, for all our listeners, you all know this because you watch the survey. They Ripple, the stock, you own, you own, has nothing to do with XRP, the actual coin. They're completely separate. You own nothing. You gain nothing if you only own XRP. But when Ripple IPOs, and, and our bet here is that it will happen when two things happen. One, the SEC monkey's off their back, right? Case has to be over. Brad already said he's not going public. And two, probably during the next bull run, that would make the most sense when speculation is at the highest level. You'll see them IPO. And I do believe, yeah, we could see maybe a 10 to 20x in the actual stock itself at the 38 price today versus whatever, 600 abs, whatever you were saying. I don't know if it'll go that high, but it's, you know, it, it can't. We saw Coinbase skyrocket. So it certainly can happen. But I agree with you 100%. I think the real appreciation in XRP, the coin comes later. But the short term, you get the the big gain and ripple the stock. Couldn't agree with you more. And Jake, and before I, I allow you to rebuttal here. I'm going to catch flack for it, Jake. <laughs> no, before I allow you to rebuttal here, Jake, the people, they need, I'm, I'm a man of the people. I got to speak for the people here. And one of the things that we've been talking about when it comes to the XRP price chart is that it could get exciting for one reason in particular, and you as somebody yourself, I have a lot on my mind, but we discussed it before the show. You know that these banks are looking forward to leveraging this technology. We just need a regulatory situation where they can go out, use this tech, and not have to worry about Gary Gensler knocking on their door with a subpoena or something even worse. So my whole point here is this. Not only are exchanges going to be incentivized to get XRP and relist it on their, on their exchange, I also believe that there's going to be a bunch of financial institutions that begin leveraging XRP and RippleNet and all these other technologies once the SEC puts this case behind them. And the follow-up that I have to that is I think Ripple's going to end up in a situation where they have um, litigation specifically formed around their asset and their company. And that's going to put them in a class of their own. So that's why I believe the technology will be utilized. What's your response to that? Yeah, I would say that that's definitely a possibility, right? So if it, it depends on what the judge gives in summary judgment. If she gives forward clarity or guidance on the asset itself and says, this is not a security, it's a currency, it's it's whatever it is. I really don't care what she rules, as long as it doesn't impede on the ability for it to be used and gives clear guidelines on how it's taxed, right? Like that's the main concern that most people I talk to in, in traditional finance. They're like, well, we don't want to, you know, use it and then find out, you know, we're going to get sued or there's fees or, or, or there's tax implications. Um, it needs to be regulated in a way that doesn't impede upon that. So it depends on what the summary judgment for, for the judge is. If she rules on forward, forward sales of XRP since 2018 were not a security, then banks can use it, right? And then they can leverage it. And I do think if, if that happens, you could see banks pile in on the secondary market and, and drive price. Right. So there's a situation where there's a limited amount of supply that's left to be put onto the market. Ripple's been buying it back. Uh, retail holds what they hold. Banks and institutions speculatively hold what they hold. And, um, you know, there might only be five billion left that could be acquired by these banks and institutions through secondary market on, off of exchanges. And if you saw clarity around the asset, you'd see hedge funds, you'd see endowments, you would see everybody pile in all at the same time and drive volume. And I think you could see a significant price appreciation event if, if that were to occur. Very interesting. And Johnny, I want to get a response from you as well. But when I read headlines like this, this is why I believe in the price appreciation of XRP in and of itself. Over the next eight years, we're anticipating, if you listen to Citibank, you listen to JP Morgan, we could see up to $10 trillion worth of central bank digital currencies in the market by the year 2030. And of course, Ripple's going to be one of the leaders in that in that uh, sector in and of itself. We said it earlier in the episode, 20 countries in 2023 are working with Ripple to develop a CBDC. Can you imagine what that number is going to be a half decade from now? And eventually, I do think we're going to see uh, traditional Wall Street companies not only adopting this tech, but incentivizing users to move into this technology. And Johnny, we're going to bring up an interesting article later in the show where Wall Street firms like BNY Mellon and, and um, a couple other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head are working on launching crypto custody services as well as crypto exchanges this summer in 2023. So when you talk about what's around the corner in 2025, it's these regular institutions moving into crypto, bringing all that liquidity and finally allowing the retail investors that came in in 2020 to profit off of that growth. But before we get a thought from Johnny, we got 385 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And Jake, thanks again for making time for us this morning. But Johnny, I got to get a response from you. What's on your mind? We've been saying for a while on this show that 
crypto is on hold right now until all the the big boys get their positions in place. And you're seeing this article today was instant validation for what we've been saying for a while is that you're seeing all the ships moving in place. Everybody's getting where they need to be early on while the rest of the world is sleeping and has no idea or paying attention to, you know, everything else that's happening. But what you really have happening here, look at it. You're seeing all the chess pieces being put on the board and moving in place behind the scenes. It's all happening right now. And, and, and you know, that article perfectly states it, right? They're, they're going after the Binances, going after Coinbase's. The big boys, the Nasdaq, they all want in on this space because they see now it's here to stay. It is going to be the the 12th uh, sector of our economy, as Kevin O'Leary stated. It's definitely going to happen, Abs. And it's just it's just it's just more validation of of why um, of what we've been saying. But more importantly, the fact that it's here to stay, it's coming. And what that means is anybody who's patient enough and invests in you know I don't get into the meme coin stuff. I look for the real world use case utility solves. And I think all of those, a good chunk of them, are going to be here. Now, people bash me in there saying, oh, well, 10 years is way too long. Listen, guys, I'm not talking about the adoption of technology. That'll happen quicker. I'm talking about the maximum potential profit of the price. Now, look at Amazon. It launched in 1994, 97, I remember exactly. Um, and it was like $7, $8, $10. And, and, and it didn't get to 3300 until 2020 or 2021, okay? We're talking 20 to 30 years later. And what I'm saying is, for maximum appreciation of XRP, the price, I personally think, and you can disagree with me, it's totally fine. That's the beautiful thing of America in this show. I think it's going to be a while before we truly see the real world appreciation and value of XRP. It might be 5, 10, 15 years. You can disagree with me. No problem. I don't care. I got my exit plan. I'm holding on to a certain set of bags. But am I going to not sell any? No, of course, if I see price appreciation, I'm going to sell some into it or leverage it. But, but. Do I think there's going to be a much higher value further down the road? Yes. And I'm holding on to a certain portion of that too. And that's why you got to have an exit strategy. Floor is yours, Jake. Well, so on the, on the exit strategy side of things, um, this is what I do. Digital Ascension Group. I'm a digital family office. Uh, we're partnered with PolySign. And we've got a lender uh, that I'm working on leveraging loans against XRP held at PolySign right now. So, wow. Um, and it's, it's three to 4%. Um, so they're not, they're not playing with small fish. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. They're, they're only going to deal with, with large numbers. Uh, seven digits is where we're starting. Okay. So maybe long-term it'll, it'll be down from there, but, um, people that have seven digits worth of crypto, when we see some price appreciation, uh, you can take loans against it and not have to pay any capital gains tax because debt is not income. So shout out to Johnny Crypto as a multimillionaire. You got to be excited about that news. But guys, we got 394 live listeners joining us. Smash that like button. And Jake, I wanted to turn that into a bigger conversation. We've debated on our channel for quite a while. When will we see the day that JP Morgan and Bank of America ask us to bring in our crypto so we can get a little bit of yield, a little bit of interest? And you broke it down right there. So when are you anticipating they come to retail investors or at least allow us to utilize these services? So with, with Ripple acquiring Medico and, and being able to create these uh, custody environments for those institutions, uh, when I talked to David, well, I'll just put it this way. I talked to David Schwartz um, personally at Consensus last month, and he was expecting October timeframe for the automated market makers to be live. Uh, so that's an amendment on the XRPL. That's XLS 30D. Uh, we've got hooks and we've also got XLS 38D, which allows for the interoperability of the XRPL with, across multiple networks and chains. So, um, I mean, with, within the next 12 months, I mean, if, I know that sounds crazy that uh, to a lot of people, but um, if this, uh, you know, and Ripple has also stated that 50% uh, of the world would be using CBDCs by 2024. They put that article out late last year. So if it's, by 2024, today's June 1st, we get six months uh, for half the world to be using CBDCs. And in order to be able to, you know, do cross-border payments and all the things uh, that they would like to with those, I would expect that uh, we'd have some some adoption of that tech as well. So, yeah, I expect within the next 12 months here, uh, we're going to see the ability for you to earn a yield uh, on your XRP, either through delegating it to liquidity pools or loaning it to institutions to facilitate payment. 
Wow. And you said that yield would be 4%? Well, that's that's where we're able to take loans against it at. So that, that's what you would owe back is your interest rate. I have no idea on the automated market maker. It could be as low as, from my understanding, the, the yield is generated by the volatility in the market, right? So if you have a very illiquid market, you're the first person to put it into the pool, you might see some significant volatility within that market. Um, the market maker is going to generate a higher yield, right? But the more liquid a market becomes, the less the yield. I expect, you know, in the beginning, if you're just starting out providing liquidity to something, you could see double digit yields. Uh, and then as the market became more liquid, you know, it'd be back down to single digits, maybe low single digits. Which is pretty exciting regardless, because right now we're in a situation where we, we don't have the option. So any progress is better than no progress. And Johnny, I think you're going to be excited about this next video here. We are going to be playing a video about a Ripple IPO, but really quickly, we got to get to an important topic. As a former Ripple employee who was head of XRP Institutional Liquidity, is now working for the Rothschilds. The Rothschild has been a family-owned group for seven generations, occupying a central position in the world's financial markets. And Johnny, another Ripple connection here, my friends. I got, I took a lot of heat. I, I just want to say this before we go off here. I took a lot of heat about this Disney connection I pointed out yesterday. And as much as I'm just making a joke, it is more of a joke than a serious, I guess, claim. There's got to be some truth here about the programming of the masses. It, not only are these two characters, Ripple and Lumen, one is water, one's fire, and they live in the land of bridges. So, I mean, come on, give me a quick comment here, Jake. Do I have anything to grasp on in this article? I, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't believe that there are coincidences. Um, now, correlation doesn't always equal causation, okay? Um, but, you know, if you put it out into the ether, it can happen, and... Maybe there's, I think there could be a connection there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to laugh at you. And I appreciate it. And as you can tell, these are two great characters. This is probably the only Disney movie I'm going to watch since the early 2000s, Johnny. But I do want to get into this exciting video here because we've been talking about a Ripple IPO. And one of the guests that we had on just last week, Linda P. Jones, went to join one of our friends, Brad. And they discussed how a Ripple IPO could be one of the most profitable opportunities in the market today. Here we go. All right, so let's do a back of the envelope calculation for Ripple stock. So according to Link2, at $35 a share, which is approximately, it's, it's slightly under that at 34 today on the, on the Link2 website, that is a $5.7 billion valuation for Ripple stock. Now, we all know that shares have been bought, and bought back at $15 billion in the past. So to be at 5.7 billion is quite a bit lower than where it's been. We also know that, that Ripple has 42 billion XRP in escrow. I Googled that and found that current number. At 50 cents, that makes the XRP worth $21 billion, which is crazy because that's four times what Ripple is valued at right now. So this is very out of whack. And you can see that Ripple's value valuation is too low. Now, let's look at Coinbase, which was. Mute button, Abs, you're on the mute. Still getting used to this new software update here, guys. Rookie mistakes. But what I was saying is that she goes on to elaborate how the value of the Ripple escrow going forward is only set to increase through utility. And maybe we'll play it, maybe we'll not. But I want to get some thoughts from you and Jake. What stuck out to you? Yeah, so uh, here's here's the deal. If they, if they IPO prior to, let's say we did see price increase in XRP, right? They've got the escrow, supposedly. They have the escrow uh, on their balance sheet. If, if they had 50 billion XRP and it goes to $10, they're a five, $500 billion company. Right. So what is that? What's that share price? Like it's even higher than what Linda just spoke about. And think um, about this. Thing. That doesn't even include intellectual property or manpower. So right. Could even be multiple. So that's that's what I'm saying. And that's that's other, the other reason I think they'll likely IPO prior to price appreciation. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they want all the money like they've said all the, the whole time. Right. Um, but if you if you saw, you know, uh, $10 XRP or, or even greater value than that, then their, their balance sheet skyrockets. And um, you, would, you would see an IPO. It would be the most under, undervalued IPO ever. I, I can guarantee that if, if we saw price appreciation for the asset prior to it. 
And Johnny, that could be another reason that the NASDAQ possibly congratulated Ripple last week. There's been a lot of debate about this, Jake, but the one thing we can't debate is that Brad Garlinghouse went out of his way, and I keep referencing this. He knew people were going to be paying attention, and he liked this tweet that said this lawsuit is over. So I'm not going to let that slide, Johnny. Let's connect it to this article. What stuck out to you? Well, I mean, I think there's no doubt about it that we're going to see an IPO, and they'll probably IPO in the NASDAQ. The thing to remember is this. You still have the XRP lawsuit, and we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Now, we know that one of the things is they may have to, they may be told that, hey, you can't hold on to 40, you know, 40% of the of the escrow. Maybe they have, maybe part of the case settlement, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe they have to dump 20%, and then they only have 20% on the books. So I wouldn't go based on what they have on the books today. I would go based on what they're allowed to keep on the books after the lawsuit to see if that impacts it, because that could have a dramatic impact, right? That could literally chop that number in half. But nonetheless, let's say they're allowed to keep 20 million or to sorry, 20 billion, you know, at a ten dollar price. That alone puts you at 20 billion. Um, and then then you look at the valuation of the company. You know, the way the stock works is obviously depends on what your earnings are. And then there's usually a, an, an earnings per share price factor that people will pay on top of that. You know, it's called the EPS. So the reality is we don't know what all that's gonna look like. It's hard to say. But I can tell you this: there's gonna be a shit ton of speculation when it launches. They'll do it during the right time, and and they they will it'll be overvalued. I mean, Coinbase shot up to three hundred and forty bucks, and it hasn't been over a hundred since. Yeah. So I think you'll see it do the same thing. If it's thirty forty bucks now, maybe it goes to three four hundred. I don't know where it's going to go. All I know is I'll be selling some <laughs> on the first or second day. You get out, and then it's going to pull back. There's no doubt about it. Because there's no way a price is going to be sustainable that high. It's going to pull down, it's going to come down, and then it's going to kind of drag around for a while in a low zone until it finds its place of what it's really worth. And and typically, they usually don't get to what that IPO is in some cases till many years later. Look at Facebook. It did the same thing, and it took a while for it to exceed that. So for me, your best time to extract value is right on an IPO, and then after that, we'll see where it goes. But a, you know, this shows for our, our, our viewers, right? And an important question came up, Abs, that I think we need to address, and it's this right here. How do you become an accredited investor? We're not going to spend the whole show doing this, but I will tell you this, that basically it's a very simple thing. You need to either make over 250000 a year or you need to have a million dollar in assets, not counting your home. And the reality is, or there's a third power, you know, if you end up getting a license, I think it's a series. You need to work for an a company. Series. Is it a series seven? I feel like Jake would know. It's, it's a series 65 and you have to make over 200000 as an individual for two years or $300,000 as a family. If you're married, um, and then you're, you're correct on the million dollars outside of your primary residence. And Jake, I want to bring up a quick follow up here because Johnny brought up something important. Whenever Ripple IPOs, a lot of the uh, a lot what's going to determine how that stock performs is the market conditions when they IPO. Right? If the markets are devastated like they are today, and there's no money to invest in new projects, we could see exactly what we saw with Coinbase: a spike in price and then a multi-year bear market. But if the Fed turns the printing press back on, or at least stops squeezing the economy, we could see a lot of money be ready to move into tech companies like Ripple. So really quickly, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. Do you think when they IPO is going to really affect how valued that stock is? Me or, okay. Me or Johnny? Um, I, I kind of have a different view than a lot of people on this. And again, I'm, I'm always the contrarian. I don't think we're going to go through a recession depression. Uh, I think we're going to have a boom in our economy with the implementation of this technology over the next decade. And you, you could have it both ways, right? So if, if the Fed continues to dry up liquidity in the markets and people continue to hold and hoard cash, uh, if, if we defaulted in some way, which they've got the, the House has passed this, the, the ceiling bill, right? We still got to go through the Senate. If we default in any way and other countries start dropping our treasuries, you're going to see a flood from people in cash, treasuries, and bonds into risk on assets and also gold, right? Um, and so you would you would see crypto go along for that ride. Um, and that would be crazy to have an IPO in the middle of that. I, I don't know what it would do, but uh, I, I, I expect the melt up before the, met, the melt down. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'm happy to say I'm wrong, but that's that's kind of my position. Johnny Crypto, I'm going to play this brief clip and go right back to you here, my friend, because she highlights exactly how Ripple could be evaluated at such a high price. This were 20 times the current value that you have right now, which is astounding, but there's more. <laughs> so let's say that the lawsuit is over soon 
And let's say that XRP goes back to approximately its old high around 359. That puts its escrow at $150 billion valuation. Now you can't have XRP worth 150 billion and Ripple stock worth less. That doesn't make any sense. And there's so many companies today that have high valuations. We have NVIDIA, which just crossed 1 trillion. We have Apple at 3 trillion. We have Amazon at 2 trillion. We have world-class companies, which I think Ripple fits in with some of those world-class companies. Now it's not as old as those companies. Ah, you did the mute thing again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. You know what? Deduct, deduct a little bit. Deduct 5% from my pay this week for the poor. Yeah, all right. I'll link up. Sure money. But uh, what I did want to bring up is she highlighted how, how high these companies are getting right now. Apple's $3 trillion. NVIDIA's over a trillion. So when we talk about Ripple IPOing at half a trillion dollars, it seems like a high number. When you do the math, it's relatively low. So I wanted to elaborate on it there, Jake. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so uh, Brad Garlinghouse has stated that um, Ripple would be the Amazon of of this sector, right? Um, and I expect them to definitely be valued as high as Amazon at some point. Um, I'm going to throw this out as a speculation here on the show. I think they're partnered with Amazon already. Um, we'll see if that rings true or not when that's announced, but uh, I don't have... Again, I'm not signing DAs. I don't have anything that tells me that or I've had conversations. That's just my speculation. But um, be be pretty interesting to see. I, th I think we're going to get a lot of partnerships that come out of the woodwork that have been under wraps for a long time when um, this lawsuit's over and there's regulatory clarity around the asset and Ripple IPOs. And Johnny, I want to get a response from you. But before we do, I'm going to play this quick video from Coach JV explaining out since 2008, BlackRock has been given over $10 trillion to be federally subsidized. So this is pretty interesting. Here we go. 2011, they had about, uh, where were they at? They were at about $3 trillion from 2011. Remember, okay, now listen to this for a second. In 2008, they had the financial collapse, and BlackRock was tapped by the Federal Reserve to balance out the markets. Let that sink in. BlackRock was tapped by the Federal Reserve to balance out the markets. Since after 2008, when they balanced out the markets, they went from $3 trillion in assets to 10 trillion by 2021. I guarantee that's gone up pretty dramatically with the quantitative easing from 2020 to 2022. And Johnny, what sticks out to me there is they were, I, I forget the wording he used, they were federally tapped to even out the markets or something along those lines. They monopolized the markets through BlackRock and now BlackRock is indirectly owned by the government. And we can take this any conversation or any way you'd like, but what we do know is that ESG standards are promoted by funding and that's what BlackRock does best. So what does this clip mean to you, my friend? Um, it's kind of what Jake said earlier. Things that make you go, hmm, right, at the end of the day. And so that's kind of what we see happening there. And I think we lost Jake. Hopefully we'll be able to get him back. Yep, there is. Looks like we got him back there. So, um, you know, definitely def definitely makes you wonder what's going on there. But at the end of the day, we know we know these are the you know the thing the thing that makes it interesting about that is you know who to watch right we always say watch what they do not what they say and you know blackrock is one of those companies you want to watch what they're doing watch where the money's going watch where they're investing that's going to kind of tell you what's happening and where where the money's flowing and so to me uh that's just been one of the, all those companies you know like you said monopolizing they own a lot of, a lot of stuff apps um and so it does get a little hairy to try and track everything but nonetheless Certainly keeping an eye on where they're doing is, is a good indicator of what, where the money could be flowing in the future. And the reason I showed that clip, Jake, was just to show how big the numbers really get. $10 trillion. There's only two companies on planet Earth that produce a higher GDP than that number. That would be us in China. So BlackRock is basically as profitable as the third largest country on the planet. What do you think about that news? And then we'll roll into this next article. Well, it's, um, did, did you talk about Michael Barr? Nope. Not yet. Okay. Well... So he he was tapped by BlackRock. No, no, no. Michael Barr's on the Fed. Uh, Robbie Michnick. Robbie Michnick sits as the head of uh, the digital asset division for BlackRock. And he came from Ripple. Uh, he's also the gentleman that created the calculator that shows how XRP can be $10,000 in value. So interesting to me that that person would end up with that company. Um, that's that's kind of my two cents on on BlackRock and their situation there.
Johnny Crypto, we got BlackRock moving into crypto, but also we had the Rothschild Foundation working with an ex-Ripple employee. Just to close us out and put a ribbon on this thing, what do all these connections mean to you? We're looking at the Hinman lawsuit and we're anticipating we're going to get some truth revealed about the SEC. Do you think there could be anything revealed that we don't currently know today? Uh, that's a very good question. I, you know, hard to say what's in those emails. I think, yeah, I think we may get a lot of things revealed in those emails that the, that they didn't want the public to know. That's why they, listen, they're fighting very hard to prevent those things from coming out. Okay. Yeah. Six times they pushed back and said, they don't want to release them when the judge kept saying, you got to release them. So there's no doubt there's something in their ads that we're going to, we're going to learn if they do, if we actually do really get to see them. Um, I'm hoping we will. So hopefully it'll be soon and we'll be able to answer that question even more. But I think nonetheless, what it really tells you is as much as you hear on the news and everywhere, all the FUD you hear about crypto and how bad it is and how illegal and it's used for nefarious activities and it's terrible and all this stuff. The reality is the big boys are getting behind it. They're positioning themselves. And at some point, they're all going to come out. Like we said for a while, right? We told you this was going to be the narrative. I even wrote it down. We told you're going to hear this over and over again. But at some point, this is going to be synonymous with this. And they're just going to tell you that it's good, right? We know that's coming. And at that point, for everybody who's been in this space and patient, I think it's super excited because we know we're sitting on a on, – we're sitting on the rocket ship. And the seatbelt is, you know, it's on, but the damn thing hasn't launched yet. We're like, okay, you can hit the launch button now. You know, we're all waiting. Everyone wants to hit the launch button. We haven't hit the launch button yet. But at some point, they're going to hit that son bitch launch button. We're, we're all going to be feeling a shit ton of Gs. And, uh, and it's going to be in a good way, not a bad way. And Johnny, we got some evidence of that today as Wall Street firms are looking to take the place of Binance, Coinbase, and other crypto exchanges. And that's what we're going to close the show out on. But I wanted to get some thoughts on this. Jake, this is news to you because Elizabeth Warren says that crypto funds fentanyl trade and it's time to shut it down. So my question for you, is it optimistic when you see senators coming out and putting these narratives out? Because we know whenever they get bearish, the markets tend to get bullish. Yeah, I would I would definitely say so. I think... Um... It's called talking your book, right? So you're gonna you're gonna talk bad about something while you're buying it. Um, and to Johnny's point, you know when when the rocket ship takes off, I hope you've surrounded yourself with uh, all the right people and resources that you're gonna need. If you haven't, uh, you can check me out. Uh, I'm the director at uh, Digital Ascension Group, Digital Family Office. We have all the CPAs, attorneys, uh, state planners, um, funds and foundations, everything that you might need when you have all that money and able to be able to manage it. And all the people that we deal with are the best in the U.S. with digital assets in all those regards. So I'd love to have conversations with people. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for the rocket ship to take off here soon. Let's go, baby. And I don't think people realize, Jake, what you do here. Guys, if you're looking to when it does take off, how to keep some of it and not to pay it all in taxes, you better go talk to this man, Jake, right? Oh, he's over there. You better go see him. Go get it set up. Talk to him so that you can actually keep the profits we're going to make when this market does take off apps. It is it is really exciting uh, what's happening. But you can see here, um, it's kind of like what we talk about. You know, you, you, they got you looking this way while they're going that way, right? And that's what you see happening. All the FUD. Remember now, now you know, pull that up, right? Yeah, pull this up here, right here. So she pull that. But can you pull her tweet back up again, Abs? Because this is just to me hypocrisy at the highest level think about this so so we're saying here that crypto funds fentanyl wait wait a minute first of all what do you think is the number one currency used for cocaine and, and heroin drug sales for probably, sure dollars probably bitcoin right yeah <laughs> come on let's be out let's have a serious conversation we all know the u.s dollar is by far you know the, the number one the, the thing used for in transactions or drug deals, right? When you talk to drug dealers, they actually interviewed us. Some we had a poll, we saw it. They literally said, "Would you use Bitcoin?" Like, hell no! Why would you use something it's on a public like, ledger? Why would you use that? Yeah, it's traceable. It's like here, here's my fucking mailing address. Here it is. Come get me. I mean, no, no, they're not using crypto to fund drugs. That's crazy. It's just, it's we know, you know, no, no, no. And Johnny, you know what it reminds me of is when there was this article of a, of a man in Asia who was exploiting the Bitcoin blockchain. He found a loop in the mining where he could mine and whatever he re received as a reward, it was giving him double. Seven years later, a government agency tracked him down, found his device, and now he's sitting in a jail cell. So even though you may get away with the transactions during that time, it's in the ledger forever and they can always go back. And that's what I think everyone who uses Bitcoin should probably understand. But guys, the last article I want to show our listeners before we close this thing out is, Johnny, you've been saying for a while, Coinbase, Binance, Crypto.com, 
all these firms should be coming together to fight the regulatory fight for crypto within the United States. We got the opposite effect happening here as Wall Street firms are taking on Binance and Coinbase, as well as other crypto native exchanges to launch their own crypto exchanges and custody platforms into this next bull run in 2025. The large pedigree of traditional institutional investors definitely preferred with dealing with counterparties who they have been in existence for years. And what they're trying to say here, Johnny, 250 asset managers were, were questioned. 90% of those said they would be willing to use crypto services if they were in traditional financial firms. So this is exactly what we just highlighted there. Why don't you close us out? I mean, that's it. Abs, at the end of the day, we all know that people always are going to invest or do things that they feel comfortable with, right? Comfort is key. So, you know, and, and obviously there's so much insecurity around all these exchanges and you're seeing these exchanges blow up left and right that there's no way they're going to, the traditional companies are going to use these non-traditional platforms. So instead what they're going to do is you're going to see either one or two things is going to happen. Mark it down right now on this show. One, either you're going to see these companies, these traditional companies launch their own crypto platforms or more, more likely you're going to see a lot of these crypto firms get bought up by the traditional firms. So Binance will get bought, um, you know, by uh, Coinbase will get bought, Kraken will give up. I think they'll all get bought and absorbed into these larger firms and companies. And then they will, you know, become, um, then they'll, they'll absorb their technology and put their name on it. And then, you know, let's face it. If Binance isn't called Binance and it's called NASDAQ, or uh, sorry, it's called E-Trade, or it's called Ameritrade, or it's called Charles Schwab, nobody's going to think twice or be concerned about buying or even leaving their money on the exchanges, right, at that point. So I think that's what that's just where we're moving towards. We've been saying it forever on this show, and we got the validation today. And I guess I, I, guess I get to keep the Nostradamus name for another day. Johnny, at the bottom of that article, they reference how the NASDAQ is going to be launching crypto custody services this summer. But this is the thing I wanted to put the show out on. Just in today, the UAE and Hong Kong are partnering to strengthen crypto development and regulation. And this article is more important than ever because while they're developing crypto outside of our borders, they're shutting it down in the United States. And this should be everyone's biggest concern. It's not that they're going to shut down crypto companies. It's that those crypto companies are just going to go elsewhere. And at the end of the day, the United States is going to be playing catch up through centralized currencies. But I just wanted to close the show out on this. UAE and Hong Kong working together. Is this important, Johnny? Yeah, no, I mean, of course, it's always important whenever you're seeing this activity of crypto regulation, crypto developments happening around the world. You want to be aware of it. You want to know what's going on. You want to see how it's going to play a role into the U.S. adoption of it and how the U.S. is going to roll out. But it's hard to say what that's all going to look like until we get some clarity, we get some laws passed in the U.S. on what crypto is. And we know that there's some bills floating around. The question is, when is that all going to come uh, together? And then we'll see what it means. We'll see how this whole thing is going to play and, and piece together. But for me, I think what's exciting is while everybody feels, you know, crypto is a scam and it's fun and it's horrible, or I should say most people outside of the ones of us who are in it. Um, I feel that while they're putting that narrative out they're they're putting all the things in place at some point to come and tell you that crypto is wonderful. It's great. And it's here to stay. You see it happening. I mean, we're watching it happen in front of our eyes. It's happening right now. The, now, now what isn't happening is the appreciation of everything because it doesn't work that way. You first get all the infrastructure in place. The appreciation will come later and you just got to be smart enough to know that. And I think everybody here knows that. And that's why we're excited. And Johnny, we're going to close this show out with a little bit of validation for all of our XRP holders. This is a message from a link to employee, Ray Funtes, who we had the opportunity to meet in XRP Las Vegas. He's saying that he's been receiving text messages from very interesting people claiming the Ripple lawsuit is over. And we got 345 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest video at a link to. We, we, we know where this case is going. It's just, like I said, it's a matter of time. And the fact that Ripple is available on our platform, uh, I believe, at an at a, a extreme discount in the grand scheme of things. That is just, it's a no-brainer, man. It's, it, it's, I can't believe that it's, it, we haven't been fully subscribed yet today. Uh, right now, uh, PolySign is, is fully subscribed on our platform. That means, you know, we, we sold out, but thankfully we're bringing them back another uh, batch tomorrow.
I really just wanted to focus on what he highlighted there about this case being over and how as we move quicker to June by the day, actually we're in June now, everyone's anticipating the him and emails could provide a resolution here. So we got a couple of minutes left. What's on your mind, my friend? 60 seconds, floor is yours. Uh, no, I think at the end of the day that there is no doubt that the whole world, or any, I should say the crypto world, feels like we are close to a resolution in the crypto, in the in the XRP case. I think the Hinman emails certainly feel like the final nail in the coffin if we get them. So once those come out, I think it's going to, people are really going to feel like we're finally there. But it certainly feels like, and all the messaging you're hearing from everybody close to the case, whether it's Stuart Alderati or John Deaton or, or Brad, Brad Garlinghouse, everybody's giving you this feeling that this thing is close. We're near the end, finally. We also know the time limit of the September date where the judge has to go in front of the judge. I mean, in front of the, um, the Congress if she doesn't. So we know there's a lot of things here that all make it feel like we're getting very close to the end. And that's a really, really good thing, Ab. So uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see what the end means. Here's the problem. Everybody's excited that we're at the end and everybody's already chalking up a win for Ripple. I would just encourage everybody to maybe temper those expectations. We may get something that says, you know, a little bit of the ruling, but she may not rule on secondary sales. And then frankly, we don't, we're still sitting in limbo. So I'm just saying that's a possibility. I hope that doesn't happen, but you never know with these things. And so that's what Absolutely, we do. Absolutely, Johnny. And we only got 30 seconds left here, so I got to close it out. But we got 342 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And let me remind you of something very important. Tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, John Deaton is going to be joining the show. So if you're an XRP holder, if you're a crypto investor overall, this is the show to tune into. Tomorrow, 11 a.m., John Deaton's on Good Morning Crypto. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together.